Okay, so this episode. Uh-huh. How did you come upon this? Just well, Google. Did you Google some? Actually, Erin, who is one of our very long-time listeners. Hi, Erin. Love you. Hey. She sent us an Instagram message about this a long time ago. Okay. It's a serial killer, uh-huh. which you guys may know. I don't think I've ever done a serial killer before on the on the podcast. It's scary. I don't get super into the serial killer stories. Yeah. For a, a lot of reasons. But, um, yeah, this story. <laughs> it's a doozy. I'm going to get angry and ragey a lot. It's going to be a two-parter. So if you are listening to part one right now and you're on the Patreon, Mm -hmm. then you can head right over to the Patreon as soon as you finish this episode to hear part two. two. Mm -hmm. If you um, are not on the Patreon, you'll have to wait for part two. Do whatever you want with that information. There's also lots of other good reasons to join the Patreon right now. We just started some new stuff that started at the beginning of February. The link to it is in our show notes, mm-hmm. but I didn't like do that on purpose. It's just that once I started researching this episode, I was like, oh, oh, this is going to be a long one because I was able to find a whole lot of information about the victims. And that's really what I want to focus on. Right. Are the victims. Okay, so good. That's what ended up making it longer. Now, let me actually get to the file here. Hey, this is the Witches, Magic, Murder, and Mystery podcast. And I'm Kara. And I'm Megan. <laughs> Gosh thought we were doing better we're trying okay so aaron messaged us about this on instagram i'm not going to read her message because it's just it tells everything okay and again this is a serial killer it was a pretty big case Uh when it when it was discovered so you may already know a lot about it but i don't think you'll know a lot about the victims unless you've really been looking okay because that's the thing when this serial killer was active no one had any idea that there was a serial killer act. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, let's see if I have anything else to tell you. Oh, one more Patreon reminder. If you're at the Body of a Goddess or Janet levels, you get all the episodes ad-free now. Mm-hmm. You just need to make sure you have your podcast feed set up yep. to get those. So yep. the Friday episodes are going to be showing up in your podcast feed. They're also show up here still. But if you want the ad-free one, that's where it goes. The Tuesday episodes are always ad-free anyway, so we're not <laughs> worried about that. Okay. Huh. <laughs> Here we go. Cleveland. <gasps> oh, that's where we're going. Cleveland. In our minds. Have you ever been to mm, Cleveland? Yes. Really? Yeah. And lived to tell the tale. I did. When did you go to Cleveland and why? Uh, it was a long time ago. I was just passing through for work, so yep. I didn't stay. So it's about the size of Lexington. I had to look it up mm-hmm. so I could get like a feel for it. Ohio itself has a crime rate that's like lower than the national average. But Cleveland's crime rate mm, is, it's five okay. times that of the state of Ohio. Yeah. So even yeah. though Ohio's low overall, mm-hmm. Cleveland is like way up there, way above average. Mm-hmm. In 2020, in fact, Cleveland had the fifth highest crime rate in the country. Also, back in 2010, wow. it was literally named the most miserable city in the United States back in 2010. Oh my gosh. Now, that would have been a year after this case broke, mm-hmm. which maybe... Maybe it just brought it down a little. Um, I also just, just read an updated article about this, okay. and it still makes the top 50 even now, 12 years later. Oh so my gosh. if you listen to this podcast and you live in Cleveland, are you okay? Are you all right? Yeah. Can we do anything for you? Mm. Cleveland.com did something I don't usually see when I research cases where they did a full article on each victim. Oh, wow. I thought it was amazing. It wasn't like one paragraph. <gasps> That's awesome. They did a series. Yeah. And... Let me tell you, it's the least they could do. Okay. Well, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I, I just get, I'm, I'm going to get 
Now, get ready, guys. A lot of ranting, mm-hmm. big tantrums. So all of the really personal information I have about the victims came from there. As always, show notes have all the sources. Yes. Okay, so let's get started. Shall let's we? dive in. Two days before Halloween in 2009, mm-hmm. police entered a three-story mm-hmm. home on Imperial Avenue in Cleveland. It belonged to 51-year-old Anthony Sowell, a registered sex offender and former Marine. Mm-hmm. Police had been led there by the accounts of two different women, Latundra Billups and Sean Morris. The first, Latundra, um, I, again, I'm sorry, it could be Latundra, I think it's Latundra, but I apologize if I mispronounced her name had been inside the home a month earlier. She had been there with Anthony doing drugs. Afterward, he beat and raped her, then strangled her with an electrical cord until she passed out. But then she woke up and she said he was obviously shocked when she woke up, but then he let her leave. Wow. Which is, yeah, like, I can't figure out if he was just done at this point. Mm -hmm. Almost exactly a month later, Sean Morris went to Anthony's house to drink and do drugs. She left, then realized that she needed to go back and get her ID. And when she went back, that's when he attacked her. Mm-hmm. Sean later testified that he put her in a chokehold, forced her to take off her clothes, and threatened to kill her. To escape, she jumped out of one of the upper story windows yep. naked. And she woke up in a hospital a few days later. Neighbors saw that happen and they called the police and they were like, a, a nude woman just fell out of a window or else she was thrown out of the window. Yeah. And so when rescue workers showed up, Anthony was like, oh, you know, we were just doing drugs and it was an accident. She just fell out of the window by accident. Mm-hmm. And then when the police later went to question Sean, she didn't want to talk to them. Mm-hmm. And before you make too much of that, I think we've all learned a lot in the yeah. last couple of years where it's been specifically highlighted that... Not everybody is just going to easily speak to the police. No. Not everyone trusts that the police will help them. Yeah. And she had admittedly been doing drugs. Right. Okay. <laughs> I get so mad. I get so mad. I get so angry. I also cried while I was writing this oh, episode because yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah. 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 So we don't know what's going to happen, you guys. Yeah. A week after Sean's escape, LaTundra went to the police to report what had happened to her in September. So she waited. A little bit. She was just like, I can't take it Mm -hmm. anymore. So between Sean's escape and LaTundra's report, Mm -hmm. police were able to get an arrest warrant for Anthony and a search warrant for his home. Okay. Here's the thing about that home. There had been an awful stench in the area Mm -hmm. for a couple years. One woman who lived across the street from Anthony's house told her city councilman that the neighborhood smelled like dead bodies. Mm -hmm. Drain pipes were flushed. Sewers were replaced. People blamed the smell on a nearby sausage shop. So then that shop did all this stuff. They spent like almost $20,000 getting new plumbing fixtures, sewer lines, grease traps. And of course, nothing helped because that wasn't the problem. Yep. But let's just keep in mind as we go through this story, (laughs) there was a smell. Oh, yeah, yeah. For years. And he was a registered sex offender. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. There were signs. Yeah. That at the very least, the police should have known. Yeah. And you would think if they were doing their sex offender roundup like they're supposed to do, what, every couple months, then they would have noticed the smell coming out of those homes. Lots of things. There's lots, lots of things. So many thoughts. So when investigators entered the home that day, Anthony Sowell wasn't there. They went inside and discovered two decomposing bodies. 
The next day, they found three more, two in a crawl space and one buried in the basement. A skull was also found wrapped in a paper bag and placed inside a bucket in the basement. Mm. Ultimately, police found the remains of 11 women inside and around Sowell's home. The women had all gone missing from 2007 to 2009. Mm -hmm. Anthony Sowell targeted women who he deemed vulnerable, all black women with histories of drug problems. He lured them to his home with the promise of drugs and alcohol. That is generally true, but there's one victim I'm going to tell you about who was for sure clean at the time that she was murdered. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that's how he could have lured her in okay although it's all speculation about like her family is like we're not sure how he right got her to go so he would get them to his house and then he would rape and murder them Mm. he killed most of them by manual strangulation which led to his nickname the cleveland strangler right so now i want to introduce you to the victims and again (laughs) but i keep this in in mind as we go through this timeline when police showed up to arrest Anthony Sowell, he was already a registered sex offender in Ohio. He was a tier three sex offender, which is the worst. Right. It's the worst tier. Mm-hmm. He had served 15 years for kidnapping, rape, and attempted rape. Jeez. So he would have or should have been known to law enforcement or anyone paying attention right. to sex offenders yeah. in the area mm-hmm. as a particularly violent sex offender. Okay. Yeah. Just keep it in mind. If you forget, it's okay. I'm going to remind you. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we'll we'll keep you all the time. So, Anthony Sowell went to prison to serve those 15 years, and he got out of prison in 2005. Jesus. In April of 2007, a woman who lived in the neighborhood around Imperial Avenue in Cleveland disappeared. Her name was Crystal Dozier. She was 35. Her mom had called her the responsible child and her little mother hen. Um, when she was a kid, she was the one who her mom trusted to, like, mm-hmm. hold down the fort and help out with the other siblings and things yeah. like that. As a kid, she loved to dress up and be girly. She loved to be in the kitchen. She would cook up all sorts of food. Mm-hmm. You know, she was like your typical little girl. When she was 13, her mom took her to the pediatrician, and they got quite a shock. That's when they learned that Crystal was pregnant. She became a mom at 13, and then at 14, She was pregnant again. The father in the second pregnancy was 20 years old. Just breathe it in. She is 14. At that point, Crystal's mom tried to move her family out of the area. I think her thought was just like, I need to get her away from these bad influences, which is a thing I hear people talk about when their kids are kind of struggling. So she thought that would help. But Crystal ended up moving in with the father of the second child. He is 20 and she is 14. What is is he doing? She's still a baby. Her mom said, he coaxed her into running away. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I sat outside. I walked up and down the streets looking for my child. I didn't know where my child was. I didn't know if she was all right. She was afraid of him. He coaxed her into doing stuff and she did it. He had total control over her. Mm. Then Crystal got pregnant again by the same guy. And at that point, a judge ordered him to marry her. The judge was like, if you're going to keep doing this, then you got to marry her, which is interesting to me. So by 16, she was married. Not, hey, let's arrest him? No. Huh? By 16, she was married, and they went on to have four more kids. Jesus. Six kids total. It was during this time in her life, her early teenage years, that Crystal became addicted to crack cocaine. Hmm. Later, Crystal and her husband were deemed unfit parents, and their children were removed from the home and eventually all wound up in foster care, 
Relatives said that the only relationship that Crystal seemed to care about was her marriage. Mm. Her oldest son, Anthony, had this to say later as an adult when he was talked to about it. She loved him, meaning his dad, to the point that whatever he asked her to do, she would do it. Whether it was using drugs or anything, she just did it. He also said this, drugs ruin people's lives. And it's not just one person's life. It's an entire family. It's everybody involved. One of Crystal's daughters Um, She grew up to become a medical assistant, and she said that she really loved the visits she had with her mom when she was young. She was like, everybody has this idea of what a crack addict looked like. Her mom didn't look like any of those things. Her daughter said she was what a mother was supposed to be, loving, nurturing, and caring. Hmm. Her marriage finally ended, Crystal's did, and she married someone new. His name was Bobby Pennington, and at that point, it was like better. She never got completely clean, but she had these longer stretches of sobriety. He was a good influence. She did end up going to prison for 10 months on a drug charge during that time. And while she was in prison, Bobby passed away. Oh, no. So without Bobby, Mm -hmm. she struggled again. Right. And this time her family staged an intervention, which helped. She got a job. She got a steady boyfriend. And she was staying in regular touch with her family again, which is not something she'd really been doing Mm -hmm. before. And then suddenly the visits and the phone calls stopped. On June 11th, 2007, Anthony filed a missing persons report. Her family felt like due to Crystal's criminal history and the known drug problem that she had, the police just didn't work too hard to find her. So they did a lot of stuff themselves. They checked out leads. They put up flyers, but nothing went anywhere. Hmm. Her body was eventually found buried next to the fence in Anthony Sowell's backyard. Jesus. So while Crystal's family is continuing to look for her, another woman went missing. Like Crystal, 33-year-old Tashana Culver had battled addiction for years. As a kid, Tashana had loved styling her doll's hair. Um, And when she grew up, she got her cosmetology license, Uh which I think is Uh just precious. She also loved writing poetry. She graduated high school, got her cosmetology license, and was also training to be a nursing assistant when her longtime boyfriend, Marcus, died. Oh, my gosh. His death was ruled a suicide. He was found dead in a park from a gunshot wound to his head. Mm. And it seems like that's when Tashana's drug problem began. Just spiral. So it may have been like her way of dealing with that. Yeah. She had a string of pregnancies and failed relationships after Marcus died. And her love for drugs led her to turn her back on her children, leaving her relatives to raise them. Her addiction, as addiction does, just consumed everything. And then she met Carl Johnson. They started a relationship and it was pretty rocky for several years because Carl also had a drug problem. Mm -hmm. I do like the story of how they met though. Okay. (laughs) They were at a bus stop and she asks him for a cigarette and he thinks she's cute, but he didn't have a cigarette. So he was like, I got nervous. So I gave her $20 in my phone number. (laughs) (laughs) Go get some cigarettes. (laughs) So just all nervous. I'm like, I got to give her something or she'll walk away. I'll never see her again. Yeah. I love it. That's adorable. So. Carl and Tashana were good and bad for each other. Mm -hmm. Like they did drugs together, but they would also go through periods where they tried to help each other get clean. Okay. Like they went to Narcotics Anonymous meetings together. They got jobs, but then things would fall apart. So it seemed like kind of a cycle. Mm -hmm. At one point, they were homeless for a couple of months. But in 2003, Tashana and Carl moved into an apartment in Akron, and she was excited for this fresh start. She had this plan. She was going to get the place fixed up. She was going to get her children back, and they were all going to live together under one roof. Carl told this story later about how one night she had made dinner and then she fixed two extra plates and she took them out to a couple of homeless guys who were living in a van across the street. And Carl was like, I was kind of annoyed with her because, you know, we don't have 
right money we're not doing okay mm-hmm. like we can't just be giving away food and Tashana was like the lord has blessed us for the day and it's time for us to be a blessing to someone oh. else i know oh. in 2006 Tashana and carl broke up for good he had gotten clean and she hadn't okay so Tashana moved back to her family home on imperial avenue Again, consumed by her addiction, she would walk the streets looking for ways to pay for the next high. Her mom and her sister told her that she had to leave Mm -hmm. because they didn't want her children or any of the children to see her that way. Then on Valentine's Day, 2008, Carl talked to Deshauna on the phone. They planned to give it another shot at being a couple, putting their family back together Mm -hmm. again. It was like once again, and if he's clean, maybe he can really pull her out of it this time. Mm -hmm. So they made plans to meet up so she could go back home with him. Carl took a bus to Cleveland to get her, but Tashana never showed. Mm. And no one reported her missing right away. Right, because she would wander. Mm-hmm. And her family just assumed she was with Carl, and Carl maybe assumed that she was with her family. Or he knows she's an addict, and having been an addict, right? he knows. Yeah. But sometimes they just disappear. Yeah. Kara. Yes, Megan. I have been seeing all over TikTok these hair straighteners. Ever since I got my hair cut, I still feel like I'm learning how to do my hair all mm-hmm. over again. Let me tell you, I have found one that works really well. It's um, from Tymo, uh-huh. T-Y-M-O. Yes. And it is the company for getting the best type of straightener for everything your hair could possibly need. It's all over social media right now with products from $59.99 to top of the line straighteners. Each of their products are built to last and have so many options for whatever your hair needs are. So Karen and I received a couple of the products. Oh we gosh. got a so straightener and a blow dryer. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about the straightener because that's the one that I have used. It has a cordless design, which makes it so right. handy. You traveled with it. Yes. So it's great for getting a good hair reset on the go because it's so portable and convenient. It's called the Porta. It has this 3D comb design, which is enhanced by cutting edge MCH anionic technology. So you brush it through your hair, it straightens as it goes, and it pushes against this ceramic plate that gives a frictionless glide that promises to curb frizz by 50%. And I've totally seen that because my hair gets frizzy and this just really smooths it out. I really loved it. Okay. So I got the air hype. I'm obsessed with it. I have just like naturally curly wavy hair so it was a huge game changer for me it dries your hair in half the normal time and it keeps your hair safe and shiny which i noticed immediately mm-hmm. i didn't even need to straighten it afterwards and usually i do because usually i have all those wild like curls left over yeah. the wind power on this thing is intense it's wild like i turned it up i was like let's play with these buttons okay so it has three magnetic styling attachments they're all amazing you know how some blow dryers you get are like if you go to a hotel and there's a diffuser and you're like oh my gosh this is like tearing my hair to pieces and it's gonna be so tangled not with this one nice and it's magnetic so it's great so right now you guys our listeners can get 30 percent off their first order at timobeauty.com t-y-m-o beauty.com using the code WMM30. So that's just two M's. You guys know our codes usually have three. So just keep that in mind. So with so many great products to choose from, now's the time to upgrade your styling and curling kit. So go to tymobeauty.com and use the code WMM30 for 30% off your first purchase. Goodbye. Goodbye. Menopausal and perimenopausal women, listen up. It's time to take control of your health and comfort and Winona is here to help. Winona is a telemedicine company for menopause care who believes that your symptoms are real, important, and deserve to be taken seriously. And for many women, this starts with hormone replacement therapy. Winona's HRT is made with plant-based, bioidentical hormones rather than synthetic ones, so it better aligns with your body to offer relief from hot flashes, weight gain, and other uncomfortable symptoms. 
80% of women who use Winona find relief within just 90 days. So, what are you waiting for? Get started today. Visit buywinona.com today to start your free visit. With free shipping and the ability to pause or cancel at any time, your path to wellness has zero obligations. Use code SPRING24 at buywinona.com for 25% off your first treatment plan. That's B-Y-W-I-N-O-N-A dot com for 25% off. Winona, menopause care made easy. 25-year-old LaShonda Long was the next to disappear. She had grown up in a different situation than Crystal and Tashana. Her mother had been a drug addict and her dad was mostly absent. So she was removed from her parents when she was six and went to live with her aunt. Growing up at school, she had perfect attendance and excellent grades. And like Crystal, LaShonda was described as motherly to her other siblings. As she grew older, she became more and more resentful of being taken from her parents. And finally, her aunt was like, look, if your dad wants you, you can go live with him. Mm -hmm. And so LaShonda returned to Cleveland, eventually moving in with her father and stepmother. But it didn't go well. She ran away a few times. She got into trouble a lot. By the age of 14, she had her first child. Juvenile detention records show that LaShonda journaled about her pain. She wrote that she wanted a different life for herself and her children. She had three at that point. Oh, my gosh. At one point, she wrote a letter to a judge saying, I can honestly say at the rate I'm going, I'll be dead before I'm 18. Wow. She was a talented writer. Her family said that they thought she even had potential to like go to college and really do something with that. Because, you know, if you're good at writing, there's a lot of things that Mm -hmm. you can do with that. LaShonda, in her notes that she wrote, she even said that she wanted to go to a community college for a year or two and then transfer to a four-year university. But as an adult, she lost custody of her kids. She was arrested a lot. She did drugs. Mm -hmm. Her family got used to not always knowing where she was. She'd pop in and out of their lives. And when she went missing in August of 2008, her family didn't report it to the police. Like in Tachana's case, it just wasn't terribly unusual to not know where she was. LaShonda's skull was the skull that was found in the bucket in Anthony Sowell's house. Oh, my God. I want to say this before we get too much further. Mm -hmm. This theme of these women would go missing Mm -hmm. and their families didn't report them missing. Right. Now, there may be some of you who don't find that unusual at all. Mm -hmm. And I'm not. So I'm not talking to you. (laughs) But if you're hearing that and you're just like, oh, my God, how could you not report them missing? Right. So, you know, I have a family member who has a really significant drug problem. Mm -hmm. And there are plenty of periods of time where we don't know where she is. Yeah. And you wouldn't know. You just wouldn't know. No, they don't just hope for the best. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you don't care. And it doesn't mean that you're not trying. Mm -hmm. If you ever see a drug addict and you think, why won't their family do anything? Don't ever assume that you know what they have tried. Oh, yeah. But I can easily see how someone would go missing and you wouldn't mm-hmm. it wouldn't even occur to me to call the police right just because i haven't heard from her in a few months i yeah. wouldn't even think about it yeah i would be shocked and sad if i found out something awful happened to her obviously right but it would never occur to me to call the police yeah because i wouldn't even know where to tell the police to start well, exactly that's what i was going to say because they're going to be like well we have records we know that this this and this is going on Also, she's a full-grown adult. Like, what makes you think that something's wrong? Mm -hmm. And I couldn't even say, here's where you should start to look for it. Here's where she was last. Mm -hmm. Here's her friends. I know none of Mm -hmm. those things, you know? Because it's constantly changing. Right. Everything's changing. The only thing permanent is the addiction. 
Another woman who was last seen in August of 2008 mm-hmm. was Tanya Carmichael. Tanya was 53 years old when she disappeared. By the time she vanished, she was heavy into drugs and her addiction, but it hadn't always been that way. Okay. As a kid, Tanya had been involved in 4-H, and she loved gardening. Yeah. She grew up vegetables in her backyard when she was a kid, and then she would sell them to like people in the neighborhood. <gasps> oh, my gosh. I know. She dropped out of high school when she had her first daughter at 16. A year later, she had a second daughter, but she did go back and get her um, like equivalency certificate, which okay. I guess is GED. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the same thing. Tanya grew older. And took general education classes at the local community college. Mm-hmm. She got her barber's license. She got her real estate license. Oh, wow. She worked as a medical secretary. Wow. And she took care of her daughters. She had her hands full. Her oldest daughter remembers how her mother used to chase drug dealers away from their house when she was younger. They listened to her, she said. I think they respected my mother because she was on her own and they saw that she was trying to raise us right. Mm-hmm. Tanya had a third child, a son. But at that point, something changed. The mother that her son grew up with was a lot different than the mother that her daughters had. No one's really sure when Tanya started doing drugs. Her son thinks that like an ex-boyfriend introduced them to her. However, by 2001, drugs had completely taken over her life and she lost custody of her son. Wow. Her daughters were already grown by that point. Okay. So after that, she was in and out of prison for a few years. And whenever she was released... She'd be clean for a bit, but then she'd always return to drugs. Mm. She was last seen at a family barbecue and was not immediately reported missing. She was the very first victim identified at Anthony Sowell's home. Oh, wow. Here's the first part Mm -hmm. where I'm going to get like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In September of 2008, so this is a month after Tanya went missing. Right. There's this really important event that just feels devastating in hindsight. And I don't mean that this whole story isn't devastating. Right, like, right, right. A 34-year-old woman named Vanessa Gay escaped from Anthony Sowell. He had raped her and beaten her, but she got away. As she was escaping, she saw a dead body inside the house. I saw some accounts that say it was a dead decapitated body. So I'm not sure. Right. But, I mean, both may be true. Yeah. Anthony had told her that he was going to kill her and throw her into the crawl space. And whenever he let her go to the bathroom, she peeked into the crawl space, and that's where she says she saw the dead body wrapped up in tape. Oh, my God. Here we go. We know he kept all the bodies. Mm-hmm. So if someone had just gone there, yep. the bodies were there. Right. And she even knew where the one was. Mm-hmm. Everyone he'd murdered was still in the house Yep. at that point. Yeah. So, look, this is my anger. <laughs> I think in the last episode, I talked about how, like, I type things the way I'm... Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. When I say them in my head. So, it's, like, all caps. If they had just gone and looked inside the registered sex offender's house after a woman talks about how he'd raped a beater. Like, if they had just... Yep. That was... Because that's what he did jail for for 15 years is... uh, Right. Beating somebody. Vanessa, like the other women Anthony targeted, had a drug problem as well as mental health problems. When Vanessa calls police to tell them what happened, the dispatcher says, we can't take this report over the phone. You'll have to come down here. Whatever the procedure is. I get if she's been raped, there needs to be a rape kit done. Like, I get all that. Could you not have just sent someone to We her? will have an officer come pick you up and take you to the hospital and make sure that you're taken care of. Or, at the very least, followed up. Yeah. Again, reminder. <laughs> I'm going to keep saying it. 
we have Vanessa's story and the fact that he's a tier three sex registered sex offender. Mm-hmm. He's been convicted of rape and attempted rape. He's done time for it. It was all known. Like, I know they don't know that he's murdered all these other women, but they knew that much. Right. Exactly. Just, just the fact that he's a sex offender who's accused of rape. Like, hey, we've we've gotten some phone calls about some smells. Yeah. Do this, you even need much more to go check him out? Falling out a window and... Uh, well, the, the woman out the window wasn't. It hadn't happened after. yet. Okay. But still. But we've got... This phone call. We've... Several story. alarms about this guy. And uh, we should probably go look into it. Yeah. It just doesn't seem like it should take anything more than a registered sex offender being accused of one rape. Right. To go look. Right. Because I know here, if one is living within, like, X amount of feet of a school, even, and somebody calls and says, hey, they were walking on the sidewalk near this park. They're immediately looking into it. Well, the argument goes on to be that the police didn't do anything because of the type of women that Anthony so well targeted, which was his whole game, right? And it worked for him for I don't a couple care of years. If they sold hedgehogs on the corner. Oh, it does matter. It should not matter. <laughs> yeah. It took an oath yeah. to protect your community. Yeah. You don't get to ignore the ones whose lifestyles you don't, you don't agree approve with. of. I yeah. just want to. Mm. Vanessa also stated that she had reported a previous rape and that it went nowhere. Mm. It also seems like this one went nowhere. Even after Anthony was arrested, but before his trial, Vanessa says that she tried again to tell police that Sowell had raped her. And she said they made bad remarks about people with addiction and then they laughed at her. I'm I'm sorry. Police said police did that. And you could be like, well, that's just her story. Like, okay, but trust me, this isn't the first time they look bad. Yeah. And just to be clear, detectives now say that there are things Vanessa couldn't have known unless she had really been there in that house. So her story is legit. I would expect that to mean that she knew what was in that crawl space. Mm -hmm. That the body was taped up. In an accurate way. Yeah. Yeah. She didn't come up with this whole cloth. So a month after Vanessa escapes, Mm -hmm. another woman disappears. Michelle Mason had grown up in a big family in Cleveland, but always dreamed of traveling. Okay. She didn't want to go to high school, so instead she went to a Cleveland Job Corps program and then headed to New York. Okay. Now, once she got to New York, her mom was confused because she just didn't hear from her. Like, she just hardly ever heard from Michelle. She got so concerned at one point that she filed a missing persons report. And so then I think Michelle got in contact with Mm -hmm. her. So every now and then, Michelle would, like, call home, check in. But she didn't stay in regular contact. In New York, she had become addicted to heroin. Mm -hmm. In 1986, she had a son. Officials in New York contacted her mom because they were like, she can't take care of this baby. Right. And so her older sister took custody of him and took him back to Cleveland. Mm -hmm. Two years later, Michelle had another son. This time, Michelle's mom stepped in to raise him. And the boys, so then they got to grow up together still in the family. They went to private school, attended church. They were close with their family. Mm -hmm. In the early 1990s, Michelle returned to Cleveland, HIV positive. Due to her use of IV drugs. Gotcha. She had stopped doing heroin at this point. Okay. But now she was addicted to cocaine. Her family tried to help her and provide stability, but Michelle was arrested several times, mostly on drug charges. Okay. And then she had this life-changing thing happen. She got shot in the face. Oh, my God. And left to die. It was at that point, when she's dying, Mm -hmm. that she decides to change. Obviously, she went to the hospital, had surgery. Yeah. She had a glass eye. She began attending a drug treatment program. She completed the program, and then she started attending recovery meetings, and she attended church regularly. Okay. 
She was never arrested again after 2001. Hmm. She started volunteering with the local AIDS task force. She gave speeches at AA meetings. She rented her own apartment, paid her own bills, managed her own medicines. She stayed close to her family and stayed in contact with her two sons. Oh, my gosh. She pulled it together. Yeah. Which could not have been an easy task. No. But she fought for it. Wow. So you've probably already noticed that Michelle's a little different than some of the missing women I've told you about so Mm -hmm. far because at the time that she disappears, she's clean and stable. Okay. So when she left her mother's home one day in October 2008 saying, I'll be back later, Mm -hmm. but never returned, her family immediately knew that something was wrong. Okay. Then her phone started going straight to voicemail and that they filed a missing persons report. Okay. This was two months after Tanya and LaShonda had went missing. Only one month since Vanessa Gay escaped. Michelle's family has expressed frustration about the lack of media coverage. Her sister said, we held a candlelight vigil right here at the church and sent out a press release and nobody came. Are you kidding me? They reached out to the police, the FBI, local media, but they're like, no one helped us. No one is sure. This is the one I was talking about at the beginning. Right. He couldn't have lured Michelle in with yeah. drugs and alcohol. Phone records show that there was no communication between them, but her apartment was near his home. Mm-hmm. Her family speculates that she could have simply found herself in a conversation with him when she got off the bus near right. her apartment. They talked about how, because of her time on the streets, she was real good about being like, I'm no better than anybody. So, yeah. And she wanted to, like, be friendly with everybody and show them, like, Help hey, yeah. I was an addict, and now look. Mm-hmm. And so, depending on what angle he tried with her, maybe he did try to lure her in with drugs and alcohol. And she thought, like, here's an opportunity for me to yeah. help this person. Right. Who knows? Right. Or, oh, oh, hey, my girlfriend in the house is an addict. Can you help her? Right. He could have known about her. Yeah. If your rage has subsided even a little bit since I told you about Vanessa Gay and her survivor story a few minutes ago, just get ready to mm-hmm. have it all come playing mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. with what happens in December of 2008. Mm-hmm. Gladys, Two months later. Gladys Wade flags down Cleveland police officers. She's bleeding. She has just escaped from Anthony Sowell's house. She spoke to a detective. She goes in for questioning and nothing happens. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I cannot... Believe it. What? Later, when Anthony Sowell goes to trial, Gladys testified that he choked her and punched her. Again, he was a registered sex offender. Are all of these people still working for this police department? Probably. They did have a big lawsuit at the end of all this, but... Still, that doesn't save lives. Well, I also wonder... Cleveland had the fifth highest crime rate in the country. Mm -hmm. Five times that of the state it's Mm -hmm. in. Is going on with their police force. And listen, if you work for the Cleveland Police Force, seriously, Josh, you're listening to us. But if you do. Yeah. And you're just I hope drowning in part of the change. You know? Yeah. Because if you're one of these people who doesn't care about. You can kick rocks. Black women with drug problems. I'm not talking about the woman who went missing. I get that you didn't know they went missing if they weren't reported missing. But these two women came to you and said. Oh, help. Yep. This happened. He's a registered sex offender. I can't. That's the registered sex offender. Yep. 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 And then she's the second person. You know, mm-hmm. I just, mm. oh my God. Okay. Where are we? I don't want to leave you on the rage, but I might have to. Yeah. Actually, let's stop there. Yeah. So before we go into the next victim, we'll stop there with Gladys Wade, who is a survivor story. Reported. Thank God. She got To a away. detective. What's happening? And yet. And nothing happened. We just, they just sat on it. 
There are dead bodies inside his home. Stinky, his home that stinky is known dead bodies. For smelling mm-hmm. awful. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't even seem that they went down there. You have a registered sex offender with probably PTSD from being a Marine. So that's another thing, too. There's more than one victim's family member, a family member of victims mm-hmm. who was also a Marine. And I think, like, God, one of your, like, because you know how close those bonds yep. are. Oh, yeah. And it just must be awful to be like, my daughter, girlfriend, sister, whatever, was mother, was murdered by a Marine. And Mm -hmm. I'm a Marine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we'll stop there. Pause for part two, guys. Yeah. If you are on the Patreon, go Mm -hmm. right on over and check Mm -hmm. out part two. You can hear me rage some more. And if you're not on the Patreon. Just hold tight. Yeah. It'll be released soon. soon. Okay. We love you so much. If you'd like to send us any story ideas, you can find everything in the show notes. Yep. And if you'd like to talk to us about this case, I'm trying very hard to remember to put up posts in the Facebook group that's like a discussion post. I'm working on it. Just trying to work. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Goodbye. Goodbye.